If you have been listening to this show for any length of time, you know that I love children's books. One of my favorite things to do is to snuggle up on the sofa or crawl into bed beside one of my boys and read books together. We have a bookshelf in almost every room of our house, and I can't tell you how many hundreds of dollars we have spent on library fines over the years, (laughs) which is ironic, really, because when I think about how many books we could have bought with all that money that we gave to the library. It's kind, of, it's kind of funny. But anyway, I have loved watching my boys develop a passion for reading as well, both together and individually. We know that reading is important for our kids, but what if you don't approve of your son's book choices? And what should we do if the books our kids are reading at school don't line up with our Christian worldview? Well, that's what we're going to talk about on today's episode of Redeeming the Chaos. I am your host, Laurie Christine. I'm an author, a Bible teacher, a biblical parenting coach, wife, and mom to four boys. This is a podcast for moms who feel a bit frazzled and overwhelmed by the responsibility of raising boys. I would love for you to join me on this wild, wonderful, chaotic journey of raising courageous boys and connecting their hearts to Christ. Today's episode is sponsored by Amanda Trumphauer, author of the Power Pup series, an exciting new series that will engage your boys while upholding biblical family values. Learn more about Power Pup a little later in the show. We have a special guest on the show today who is an expert at all things related to children's literature. Stephen A. Guglich is a Christian author and a public school principal. He is passionate about literacy and encourages his students to read simply for the joy of reading. He was the North Dakota Principal of the Year in 2020, and we all know that was a really hard year to be a public school principal. As a Christian and a father of four, Stephen's mission is to find clean, family-friendly books for his kids that ignite their imagination and rekindle the wonder of reading. Stephen became an author in order to write stories that were safe for his children to read, but also filled them with wonder and inspiration. Stephen is the author of The Veil Saga, an epic modern fantasy series for middle and high school readers. The first book in the series, Piercing the Veil, just released last week. And we are going to talk about the book later on this episode. But for now, I would like to welcome Stephen A. Guglitch to the show. Stephen, welcome to Redeeming the Chaos. Thank you, Lori. I'm so excited to be here. I love the title of your podcast, Redeeming the Chaos, because I think it's it's apropos, especially for parents and especially in this day and age that we live in. Well, thank you. We're excited to talk with you today. I will say we've never had a principal on the show before, so that's really fun. My husband and I both have experience as public school educators. My husband currently teaches middle school science, and I was an ESL teacher, English as a Second Language, for seven years before my boys were born. Plus, all of our boys attend public schools, so we can definitely appreciate some of the joys and challenges of being in the public school system. Well, Stephen, can you tell us briefly about your family, the ages and genders of your kids? Go ahead. Tell us a little bit about about your family. Well, I am happily married. My wife, Karen, we've been, we're going on our 15th anniversary. We have four kids. Our oldest, Titus, he's 13. He'll be 14 in September. 
He is, he's an avid reader and writer. He's, I think he's written more than I have actually at this point, because he's always writing. And then my daughter, she's nine. She'll be 10 next month. And then I have my, my son, Robert, and he's, he's a, I'd say a fellow creative also. And then my youngest son, Benjamin, he was our surprise. He's only two years old and he is, he's your typical two-year-old handful. That's for sure. Very fun. They are very similar to the ages of my of my kids, although we don't have that little girl thrown into the mix there. So, so what are some ways that as parents we can foster a love of reading in our children? All of the experts are telling us reading is important for our kids, and we know that that's important. How can we help to foster that love of reading in our children? I think, like anything that we want our kids, we want our kids to love the Lord. So. How do we get our kids to love the Lord? We model that for them. We show them what it means to love the Lord. We we live it out. Same thing with readers. We live it out. We we read. We read with them. We read by ourselves. They see us reading. And I think that's just important to model that skill. I also think it's important for us to to give children the the opportunity to read things that they're interested in. I think that's so that's so important. I tell that to my teachers and my students because I remember being in school and having to read books that I just didn't want to because they were labeled classics and we just you had to read the classics. You had to know what they were and you had to read them and you were bored out of your mind because you just weren't interested. Not that there's anything wrong with them. I think the classics are for people who like classics. But I think kids or interested in certain things. So maybe they're not into fantasy and science fiction like I am. Maybe they're into other things. So I tell the parents of my students, I tell them all the time, I say, what is your kid interested in? That's the books you get them. If they're into trucks, get them books about trucks. If they're they're into skateboarding, get them books about skateboarding. Or even magazines. You make it a priority in a way where you're not forcing it. You just model it and, and, and you do it together. That's so important for us to be to be reading with our kids. And I wish I had more time to do that myself, actually. But I thank God my wife is is an avid reader as well. And she's always reading with the kids, which is awesome. That's great. Yeah, I could sit all day with a pile of books and read to my kids for as long as they would pay attention. I love that you mentioned modeling to our kids because our kids see what we are passionate about. And if we are making reading and making books a priority then they are going to see that that's an important thing. Like in our family, in our house, we have a lot of books in our house. And even just visually shows our kids, books are important. Reading is important. And I tell my kids all the time, I love reading books with you guys. This is my favorite thing to do. Yeah, because you're enticing them. You're showing them that you have that love of reading and and you're you're passing that on to, to the kids. I think that's one of the reasons why my, my son likes to cook so much because he sees that I have a love for cooking and he wants to be a chef now, even though I'm not a chef, but he just likes being in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I know that my mom was an avid reader. She loved books. She loved reading. And I'm pretty sure that her mom was as well, and also her grandmother. So it's been like, okay, one, two, three, four generations now of people who love reading books. And I can't help but think that that has been passed down from generation to generation. And I hope that my kids as well will will develop a love for reading. And and I, I will say that some of my kids love reading on their own. They all love when I read to them. So I don't think your kids are ever too old for you to read to them. Like my 12-year-old 
who's almost 13, still loves when I read to him. And he's he's the one that will just fly through books. He's an avid reader. My 11-year-old could take it or leave it. He doesn't love reading. But when we find books that engage him, then he will read. So I love that you said finding what are they interested in. My older son, he loves fantasy, sci-fi, all of those things. And I kind of tend to lean towards those kinds of books as well. And so I was trying to get my 11-year-old to read those same books. I'm like, this is such a great book. You have to read this. And he just wasn't interested. He wants to learn how to survive in the wild. The show Survivor, he would be all about that. He wants to just go out in the woods. So we got him a bunch of books on how to tie knots, how to build a fort, how to, (laughs) one of them was like, how to cut off your arm in case it gets stuck under a rock and you and you can't escape and you're all by yourself in the woods. I was like, oh my gosh, what in the world? But he was so into it. There's lots of pictures. There's lots of graphics, like those kinds of things. So yeah, just finding what your kids are interested in. So I know, Stephen, you have been a connoisseur of family-friendly books. So let's talk a little bit about how we decide what's okay for our kids to read. The two things that you mentioned, profanity and sexual content are kind of a standard that I don't want my kids to be exposed to. But outside of that, how do we make decisions as far as what's okay for our kids to read, what's not okay for our kids to read? How do, where do we set those standards? So I think we have to be, as parents, we have to be gatekeepers. We have to really set up those parameters. Every every parent has to set those standards for the, for themselves because they know their kids. From my book series right now, I know it's definitely middle grade and up because it does have other, it does have suicide in there. Not not the committing of suicide, but the after effects of suicide. Suicide is mentioned in there. There's violence and stuff like that. There are things that I like my my youngest children. I don't want them. My daughter wants to read my book, but I'm not ready for her to read it yet. Cause, and even, even sitting there reading it with her, I, I, at nine years old, I don't want to go into an in-depth conversation about suicide with her. I don't think that's something she needs to be exposed to yet. And you have to decide that as a parent. I mean, I think, and I think that the prayer is definitely an important part of deciding what you're going to let your kids be exposed to. I think it just thinking about biblical values, what what are the things that, that you want to bring into your home or allow your your children to be exposed to? I, th- I think it's important to have a balanced view. I know that some parents go to the extreme of like, oh, I don't care what my kids read. Just They can read whatever they want. They can be on their Kindle or their iPad and pull up any books or watch whatever they want on TV. And I don't imagine that our listeners today would fall into that extreme. But the other extreme then is parents who want to shelter their kids so much to the extent that they don't allow their children to be exposed to any ideology or belief system that doesn't line up exactly with with the Bible or with their Christian values. And I think both of those extremes can be dangerous. So what is the value? What would you say is the value of taking a middle ground there, like allowing our kids to be exposed to beliefs that are different than ours? But yet at the same time, not wanting to just throw them to the wolves. Well, I, I think it's a slippery slope if you don't have parameters. I think our, our job is to guide them and to help them and lead them through these these situations and and explain things. Because if we don't do it, somebody else is. So like if, you, if my, my kid is reading a, a book that has sexual situations in it, which is something we haven't talked about yet, 
they're learning it from the book instead of from us. And I'm not even comfortable with that as a as a public school principal with having to teach those things in school before parents have had the opportunity to teach them. I I think that's that's important. Those those milestone experiences and those those life topics that are so important that parents need to to be there and and make sure that they are the ones that are are doing the guiding. And and of course for us it's always we want to base our view or opinion on anything based on the Bible. We, we have to try to bring it back to the Bible. And we'll often ask our kids, if something pops up, we'll ask, well, what do you think the Bible says about that? And if they can't remember or they don't know, then we, then we want to look into it. And I think it's important to have those conversations with our kids. And sadly, we're needing to have those conversations younger and younger because they are exposed to things in the world and in their classrooms and in school, especially if they're a public school, which our, our boys are. Just an example, our second grader came home from school the other day and they had done like a character lesson at school. And it was like a standard curriculum that I think they do across the whole district. And the title was something about celebrating our unique abilities. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds good. And I read through it. And I was like, yeah, okay. And then it said on the back, it said, oh, and by the way, we read this book called Red, A Crayon Story. I don't know if you're familiar with that at all. Looks super innocent, looks like it's about a box of crayons, like super innocent. But I I read through the description and I was like, oh, this is not what it appears to be. This was very clearly promoting an ideology that we did not agree with, that was not biblical, but it was very subtle and it was very sneaky. And I doubt any of the kids had any clue that it was in there. It was about a crayon who was was created with the wrong label. It was a red crayon and he was created with a blue label. And that's what the whole story was about. And all of the struggles that he went through because he had the wrong label and like all the things. So you can infer what the what the message was there. But so I was like, oh, so what do I do? I was like, I'm pretty sure he doesn't have any clue what this is about. We've had those discussions with all of our kids just about how some people choose to not follow God's design for marriage and for sexuality and things like that. So rather than just glossing over it and assuming that he didn't pick up on the nuances of this book, when all the kids got home from school, I was like, all right, guys, we're going to talk about this. And I looked up the book on YouTube. I looked up like a read aloud of the book. I was like, we're going to watch this book. We're going to talk about why this doesn't line up with our Christian beliefs and our what the Bible teaches. And so we watched it together and they were like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't know why. <laughs> like they still didn't get it, but I, I wanted to point it out to them. I wanted to say, this is why. This is what they're trying to teach you through this message because I don't want it to be subtle. Like I, I don't want it to just slip into the cracks. I want the next time they see a teaching like that at school or in a book or from friends or whatever, I want that little red flag to go off and be like, ah, I recognize that as a lie. That's not what we believe. And that's not what the Bible teaches. So I think that's really important to do with our kids when they're, when they're reading something, don't just shelter them. Like I could have said, oh, you're not allowed to read that book. I'm like, no, I want you to read it. And I want you to be aware that this is what is being taught. And I want you to recognize it when you see it elsewhere. You guided them through that, and that's that's super important that you did that. And you know, there are unfortunately, I I have parents that I that I deal with that are 
oh, I don't want my kids exposed to that. I, I have to frequently remind them, this is a public school system. We serve the public. These are issues that have been agreed upon by the public to be in this school system. And and then I have to kind of guide the parents in that direction. Well, this is, it's a great opportunity for you to have a good conversation with your student about what you and your family believe and how it may be different and how they should respond in a public setting to, to that. Right. Because we can't expect the whole world to believe the same things that we believe. I feel like when families get all worked up and up in arms, like, I can't believe they believe that, or I can't believe that they're doing that in the public school. It's like, well, they don't claim to be believers. They don't claim to be Christian. They don't even claim to have a biblical worldview. Why would we expect anything different? And this is the society we live in. This is the culture our kids are growing up in. And we have to learn to to be wise and to train our kids and to help them walk through those things and to know what to do when they encounter a friend who has different beliefs than they do, because they will, they absolutely will. So yeah, I love, I love that, that viewpoint that you have. One of the things I have a favorite quote from a book that I read many years ago is called Give Them Grace by Elise Fitzpatrick and Jessica Thompson. And it was talking about, she was talking about just being relevant to our culture We're called to be in the world, but we're not called to be of the world. So she was talking about, what does that look like? It means that we are relevant to our culture, that we are able to relate to people that believe differently than us and that we can make connections with them in order to share the gospel. And she talks about immersing our kids so much in the one good story of the Bible and then teaching them how to compare all other stories that they encounter with the one good story. And I just love that that illustration. And the so the quote, the quote that I love, she says, we as Christians are called to be different, but our difference should not be because we don't know who Voldemort is. And I love that because I'm, I'm a Harry Potter fan. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> and then she says, she goes on to say, we're different because we know the one good story and it has transformed our lives and has freed us from the real Voldemort and our neighbors need to know about it. I was like, yes, I love that so much. Don't, don't shelter your kids to the extent that they have no clue what is going on in the society and the culture around them, but train them so that they can recognize the truth and the lies in those stories that they're hearing. And that, and, and pulling the truth out of those stories, just a Harry Potter example. Yeah. It's the ultimate good versus evil and taking that truth and taking that theme and be like, Hey guys, I know you love this story. Let's look at at what we know to be true from the Bible. And there is this ultimate evil that we are fighting against and it can be defeated. We can defeat the the ultimate evil who is the devil through Jesus Christ. He can be defeated. So I, I think pulling those themes out of, of stories is, is so important for our kids. Amen. That's awesome. We are going to pause for just a minute to hear from our sponsor this week. This week's episode is sponsored by Amanda Trumpower, author of the Power Pup series. Are you looking for an exciting new book series that will engage your boys while upholding your conservative family values? Introducing Power Pup, a Christian superhero series filled with action, humor, and a biblical worldview. 
Set in the zany world of collar cases, Powerpup joins fan favorites Alex Digger and Mittens Meow as they take on new bad guys, make new friends, and learn more lessons about character. Give your child the gift of superhero adventures without secular entertainment's woke agenda. Everything comes from a biblical worldview in the Collar Cases universe. The adventures begin with Powerpup versus Tommy Triggerfinger. Available now in paperback, ebook, and audio. Learn more at powerpupbooks.com. So, what do you think that parents should do? Because you're in the public school system, you're a principal, and this is kind of a hot topic among Christian moms. Several of my friends, we have talked about this recently. So, what should a parent do if their son or daughter comes home from school and they're like, hey, mom, I have to read this book for school? And the parents don't approve of what their child is being asked to read in class. Now, obviously, there's a whole spectrum of what each family deems is acceptable. Some families might have very strict guidelines that says, no way, I don't want them to read that. Whereas other families might be a little more lenient. What should families do in that situation? And from an administrative perspective, what are they allowed to do, I guess. (laughs) Well, they have options. They do. And I guess it depends on the school district or the the school system that you're in. But I know that we allow, a parent can always ask for an alternative assignment if they think it's that bad. I don't always recommend that because again, I think, okay, if if my child's peers are all reading this book, they're going to have that worldview. Telling my kid, you can't read this and your peers can, now I'm telling, now I'm making my kid curious. Okay. What Mm. what are my parents hiding from me? So Mm. I think, again, we go into that, we take that guidance, we, we guide them through. And I think we work on the assignment with them. We don't do the assignment for them, obviously, but if they have to read the book, we read it together. We, and we talk about it. We make sure that the views in that book, we hold them to the biblical standard and we teach our kids how we would perceive it. Again, I think everything really goes back to the to the message of Jesus, how much he loved us. Because we can easily also teach our children that, to hate, to be hateful of those people who are not following the same worldview. And and that's not proper either, because our our goal is to teach them how much God loves them. I and mean, that's that's our that's our mission. That's why we why he put us here on earth. It's not to hate them. It's to to teach them the truth about God's love. And I think that's so important that we we don't swing the pendulum in that direction either. Yeah, I think that parents have a great opportunity if a book comes home and you're like, ah, I don't know about this. This isn't something I would choose. I mean, I have heard of situations where the book is just wildly inappropriate, sexual content, those kinds of things. Yes. And I, I, I for sure would be like, hard no. <laughs> I think in some cases, that's where you do draw the line. I mean, and in some cases, if my student had to read a book that had that kind of stuff in it. I think that would, that might even be the, the, the dividing line for me where I'd say, I, I don't even want my child in a, a school that is, is, is pushing that kind of stuff. And that, and that's always an option too. There's, there's homeschooling, there's private schooling, there's cooperative schooling. And that's where you as a parent have to have to make your choice. Because if you're pulling you and your family out of the school, you're also withdrawing the light from that. And, and 
that's that's a hard decision. That's something that I don't think anybody could ever advise you on, but you have to be willing to fight that battle because you are light in that school. You are there to 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 be the salt and the light. And I always teach my kids that salt doesn't just make things taste better. Salt keeps away the rot. And that's one of the reasons why Jesus called us salt and light. Salt keeps away the rot. Salt preserves. And salt makes you thirsty. It makes other people thirsty for (laughs) the gospel. When they see your life, they should realize, I want that. I want whatever you have in your life because it's different. Exactly. And you as a family have to decide that. Do you think your kids can handle that? Are they going to be tempted? But parents need to make that decision. How how strong are, are your kids going to be? Uh, how quickly can you respond to the things that they're being exposed to? I think that's so good. To evaluate each of your kids individually. They're all different. Every family is different. Every child is different. So as, a, as you guys are listening to this, I hope you're hearing there is no one standard. There's no one other than the gospel, other than the Bible. That is our standard. (laughs) There is a standard. But as far as deciding, do I send my kids to public school? Do I send my kids to private school? Do I homeschool them? Like all of the things, there's not one right answer for every family. And there's not even one right answer for every kid. It might be different depending on the strength of your kids, depending on the maturity, all sorts of different factors. And going back to our conversation on books, same thing. You have to decide what books are appropriate for your kids. If I read one book with my seven-year-old and then the younger brother comes along and he's seven, he might not be ready for that same book at the same age. And I need to be able to evaluate that and decide where is he spiritually? Where is he emotionally? Where is he with maturity? All of the things. And is he able to handle this at this stage? So Hopefully this conversation has been helpful in helping you make some of those decisions about where to have your standards, where to have those guidelines. But underneath it all, we just want to make sure that you are hearing that it's important to walk with your kids through the exposure to our culture. Don't just pull them out of the culture because you want to protect them and you want to isolate them and you don't want them to be exposed to anything because they will be. And we want the first exposure I think, what is it called? The power of first exposure or something like that. We want their first exposure to those things to be from you so that they're not encountering that as a surprise on the bus or in the bathroom at school or whatever. And and parents, you have to remember, you really do have the power. I mean, you can mold and shape your child to the point in which you're willing to to walk with your child through every circumstance. I mean, it, it takes time, it takes effort, it's 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 tough. We have the say in what our kids are exposed to. We are the gatekeepers. And for each kid, there's a different gate. And just like Lori was saying, every kid is different. So you may have four or five, six kids, you have six, six different gates and the, the, the gates open <laughs> at different times for each kid, but you are the gatekeeper, you allow what your kids are exposed to. And sometimes it's easy to say, ah, I don't have the time for this or, or they'll be fine or whatever. But, and then, then we regret it. And I've been in those circumstances several times where I've, I thought my kids could handle something and I was wrong. I made the mistake of watching a, it was a documentary about ancient Egypt and I thought it would be so cool. And they were talking about how to make mummies and the mummification process. And I was like, this is really interesting guys that we watch this whole thing. 
they all woke up having nightmares about <laughs> Egyptian <laughs> mummies. And I was like, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, they've watched other things that I would have thought was way scarier in my mind. Yes. But for whatever reason, this was just not something they could handle. And I was like, oh, sorry, guys. Well, Stephen, I would love to keep chatting. We are almost out of time, but I want to hear about your new book that's coming out. So Stephen has a new book. It's called Piercing the Veil, book one of the Veil Saga. And I started listening to the audiobook and I'm enjoying it so far. If you're a Brandon Sanderson fan, you'll love <laughs> Piercing the Veil. So I'm just going to read your description here. And then you can tell us a little bit more about it. So Piercing the Veil is a contemporary epic fantasy with elements of historical fiction and mythology geared toward readers of the middle school level and older. Our world is filled with so many stories that involve magic and fantastic creatures. And it makes you wonder if those stories were believed to be real at one point in time, where did the magic go? Why aren't there fantastic creatures that roam the earth anymore? The Veil Saga tackles those questions and more, telling a tale that stokes the fire of our imagination and rekindles the wonder we once experienced as children. So this sounds like so much fun. I know my older two, my 11 and 12 year old would probably enjoy it, and especially as they get a little older. So tell us a little bit about, about this book. Well, this has been, a, I would say, a passion project for, for years. It took me about 13 years to write. We hear all these crazy stories about creatures of magic or creatures of legend or, or magical beings and and where did they come from why do we have them and so i thought it would be interesting to explore that from a fantasy level and so that's where the idea came from and and although i am a christian and a writer this is not a christian novel it's not it's not christian fiction it's definitely mainstream fiction but it's clean to the extent of which i think it would be appropriate for middle grade and up. And I wanted to write, also wanted to write a story that I I thought older kids and their parents could read together and enjoy together. And I I do believe I accomplished that. I think it is, it, it's a fun book that has some great elements to it. And I think children 12 and up, people 12 and up would enjoy it. Yeah. And you said it's not specifically a Christian book, but because you are a Christian, you can't help but write from a Christian worldview. And by by worldview, I mean like the lens through which you see the world, you know, good versus evil. Correct. There is ultimate evil. There is ultimate good. There is ultimate truth. There is redemption. There is hope. All of those things are Christian themes, which I think will come out in your in your book from the yes. little bit that I read oh, sure. so yes. far. Like I can can already see those themes playing out a little bit. Most definitely. And those themes are there. There's the good versus evil. There's the the choices that we have to make as, as people. There's the, the true evil does exist in the world. But like you said, as a Christian, I can't not write from a Christian worldview. Well, I'm excited to finish listening to the book. Tell us where our listeners can get a hold of the book and where they can find out more about you. Awesome. Thank you. Well, as of March 31st, it is available everywhere. You can go to your local bookstore and if they don't have it on their shelves, they will order it for you. You can order it through my website as well. And my website's easy to remember. It's it's thevalesaga.com. 
thevalesaga.com. And if you go and subscribe to my newsletter, I have a little gift for you as well for that. And you can learn more about the characters and, and, and whatnot by going to my, my website. All right. Well, I will have links to your website and your new book in the show notes. And this was really fun. Yes, I think so, too. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Well, speaking of books your boys will love, I have some really exciting news for you all. A while back, I introduced my new series of devotional books for boys called the Dragon Slayer Bible Series. The first book in the series, Rise of the Enemy, has been available as a free ebook download on my website since last fall. Well, my friends, the time has come to turn it into a real live, hold it in your hands, printed book. I am super excited to be launching this new series out into the world, but I need your help. I have chosen to launch this book on Kickstarter, and I will have a lot more to say about Kickstarter and about this project in the upcoming weeks, but in the meantime, I wanted to let you know that my preview page on Kickstarter is up and running. I will have a link for you in the show notes of today's episode, lauriechristine.com forward slash 69, or you can find the link at dragonslayerbible.com. When you go to the Kickstarter page, there is a button you can click to get updates about when the campaign goes live. Now, I'm sure some of you are not familiar with Kickstarter, so I just wanted to explain very briefly what it is. It is a crowdfunding platform for creative projects. Kickstarter is not the same as GoFundMe. I'm not just asking you to donate money. If you choose to fund my Dragon Slayer Bible project, you will receive all sorts of fun perks, including a copy of Rise of the Enemy many months before it is available for sale on Amazon. Anyway, I will have lots more to say about this project in the coming weeks, but for now, head over to dragonslayerbible.com and click the link that says, send me updates. Then click on the button on the Kickstarter page that says, notify me on launch. And that way you won't miss out when the actual campaign goes live. Today's episode is sponsored by Amanda Trumpower, author of the Power Pup series. You can learn more about Power Pup at powerpupbooks.com. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of Redeeming the Chaos. You can find the show notes for this episode at lauriechristine.com forward slash 69. 